Hello and welcome to the tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray. And as usual, I'm joined by Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week, uh, we'll be looking at Rocket Internet's or rumors of Rocket Internet's new 1 billion euro growth fund. We'll be taking a closer look at Berlin startup scene. And finally, we'll be looking at some of the movement going on in the VC community. We have a lot of VCs or experienced VCs from European funds that have kind of taken off to start their own funds. So we'll be diving into that. So to get us started, looking at Rocket. Uh, so there are rumors going around that Rocket will be launching a 1 billion euro growth fund, will likely be called Rocket Internet Growth Fund. So I guess that's kind of a name that goes with the project. Um, and apparently Oliver Samware will be the sole GP or general partner for it. What's interesting, though, is that Rocket actually hasn't confirmed this rumor. And I'm surprised it also seems like a lot of the VC community in Germany also doesn't seem particularly aware of the project. What were your feelings on this, Neil, actually, given that you were in Berlin this past week? Yeah, well, I was actually there and I also didn't hear anything about it. And I'd been meeting with VCs, I'd been meeting with people in the community. And as what happens in Berlin, Rocket comes up quite often. Um, and I didn't actually ever hear anything about the fund. And I left on the day that the rumours were really coming to a head. But still, I was a little surprised because I hadn't heard anything. Robin ran an article on it on tech.eu and he spoke to some VCs in Berlin. And while they also hadn't heard of it, they weren't surprised. Yeah, so I think uh, obviously the news broke from German media. Um, so some people seem to be hearing about this from somewhere, obviously. But I think what's interesting about this project is that there definitely also seems to be a shift and more attention being given to growth capital in Europe, especially in the last few years. So we had, for example, in France, Partech, which is a well-known, one of the oldest VC funds in France, launched a 2 million, so it's a smaller size development fund, 2 million euro growth fund earlier this year. So that was January. And looking just at the sheer amount, the 1 billion seems ridiculously large. What are your thoughts on that, Neil? I think it's great in the sense that this is the biggest accusation that Europe faces when it comes to venture capital, right? When we talk about how we're lagging behind the US, lagging behind Asia, it's always in the late stage or that growth stage. So I feel like the early stage scene here is pretty good and there is money available. Um, it's definitely in this space where the gap comes. So, you know, if Rocket are coming with a billion euro growth fund, it's certainly going to fill some of that gap. Yeah. And then the other thing that's kind of interesting to me, VCs, um, they've touched upon the topic that when it comes to growth, you're really, you need something that's pan-European. You really just can't have a dedicated country growth fund. I mean, the size of the fund looks like it could definitely cover that. But I'm wondering, is Rocket in the best position to really be a pan-European player? That's an interesting question. I mean, I don't really know what their strategy would be for the fund, but I definitely agree with the fact that it would have to be pan-European. I mean, purely just because of the size of opportunities or amount of opportunities. It wouldn't make sense to be kind of sitting on that fund uh, only solely focused on one country or a couple of countries. It definitely needs to be pan-European. As to whether that should be Rocket, I don't know. I think it's Oliver Samwa who will be leading the fund, um, but I don't know who else would be involved and what their outlook would be. But I definitely agree that it should be European-wide. Well, I think it's just great news all around that we would have such a large size fund that could potentially cover the growth stage in Europe. 
But now maybe turning our attention a bit more to Berlin in specific. You were there earlier this week. What were you actually doing there? I'm actually part of a publicly funded project uh, called Start Nordic. And we're connecting Nordic startups with some of the hottest scenes in the world. So we're doing London, Berlin, San Francisco and Boston. And we're kind of mapping out the scene and trying to make sense of it. So when a Nordic startup comes, they'll kind of know who to speak to, who they could get investment from, what events they could go to. So I was really spending a lot of time digging into what's happening in the scene. And I think it was great because you kind of summed up uh, essentially all your feelings about Berlin and your experience and your thoughts on on the ecosystem there in a really great post. So we're going to dive into some of your thoughts in a minute. But what struck me as the most unusual was that you actually hadn't really been part of the Berlin scene before. How is that even possible? Yeah, I don't know. And I actually know quite a few people in it. So it is really weird. I've been to Germany many times. Yeah, and I've been to most places in terms of startup scenes in Europe. Never made it to Berlin before. But I had an amazing time, both in the city and in the ecosystem. So I was really, really pleased that I went. And it certainly won't be the last time I go. Super. So I think just going into some of the key points that you raised in the article... One of the big points was you kind of confirmed Rocket's influence. So you said Rocket Internet's influence is huge and undeniable. How did you actually see that while you were on the ground there? So mainly that was from my conversations. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, Rocket entered nearly every conversation I had. And that was with investors, with entrepreneurs, with organizations. After a while, I started timing mentally how long it would be until someone mentioned Rocket. It was just in every single conversation. In general, people were pretty divided on them as an organization. People either seemed to really like them or not like them. But I felt like an underlying admiration for them, even from the people who weren't their biggest fans. Um, And most people said, actually, they feel like they've had a positive impact on the scene. Because, I mean, at the very least, people talk more about Berlin because of Rocket. And what's interesting about that is I actually was trying to think, you know, is there a similar player in London or in France or in other ecosystems that is just so big and so kind of influential. Do you feel that there's someone in the UK that fits that same type of influence? I mean, for France, I could not think of someone. No, I don't think there is in the UK. But it actually surprised me, like, their influence on Berlin. Like, uh, of course, everyone has heard of Rocket. Everyone knows where they're based. But I have to admit, I was completely shocked at how big the influence was. I mean, and you would meet people all the time that were either currently in a Rocket-backed company, worked at Rocket in some shape or form. Um, And this is also part of the impact that they're having is people have have worked at this organization and they're going on to do other company builders or they're going on to start their companies. So they're kind of having a big impact in terms of talent flow as well. Well, another thing that you said in your article, Berlin has no desire to compete with London. And I know that I almost can't have a conversation with someone in the French ecosystem without a comparison being made somehow to London or the UK in some respect, maybe even Silicon Valley at times. So how do you feel that they're just not interested in competing with London? I assumed that they would be. Even I am guilty of always comparing London and Berlin. Everyone's always talking about whether London or Berlin is Europe's number one ecosystem. That's, you know, a conversation that's been had for quite a few years now. Everyone's always comparing the funding, exits, everything. They're always up against each other. And certainly in London, I know we talk about it as well. But when I bought London up, people didn't really seem to care too much. There didn't seem to be too much interest. There's almost amusement me comparing Berlin to London or kind of saying like, oh, do you think 
your ecosystem is more developed than London's or how do you feel you stack up? No one was really that bothered. Further on that point, I felt like people in Berlin weren't too bothered about anywhere else in Europe for that matter. Like they seemed quite insular or in terms of their perspective, they were just kind of worried about what they were doing and enjoying Berlin's scene. And they weren't really bothered about, oh, whether somewhere else in Europe is raising more money than them or seeing more exits than them. They were just concentrated on what they were doing. I think that's really interesting because I wonder if um, they can afford to have that attitude because they are one of the leading cities. I wonder if they were, you know, a smaller, less dynamic player in Europe startup scene, if they would have a different attitude about it. But um, I also wonder if that's maybe also helped them to kind of just grow in their own way. I think a lot of the initiatives that they started locally to build the ecosystem, it they're not looking outward seeing, do we have to make something that's similar to Tech City, for example? I think that could be a really key point to why they've done so well. Looking at a couple of the other key issues that you mentioned in regards to Berlin, you said that it was actually very accessible for outsiders. You said there's some accessible entry points. What did you actually mean by that? Well, I felt there was a lot going on. There was a lot of events every night. There was a lot of organizations kind of around the scene as well, trying to get people involved. I just felt like there was a movement might be a little too strong, but something that was encouraging more people to start up a business or get involved in the scene. One of the events I went, really, there were students there. There were people who just had an idea or been interested. And then there was people from like Marley Spoon who are raising later rounds. They're part of CEO was once part of Rocket. So I thought it was quite interesting that it was so diverse and so accessible, which is quite a nice entry point into the scene. Yeah. And did you also feel that it was accessible for outsiders to the ecosystem, but also to the Berlin ecosystem specifically? Like, do you feel that there were um, ways that foreigners or non-Berliners could get involved? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's very open. Like, I felt very welcome and it was uh, very open and easy for me to get involved. I mean, it was just like the classic things to use. So I felt that Meetup was very popular there. LinkedIn was very popular there. I mean, not in terms of getting involved, but in terms of other kind of tools that were popular. Um, But it's quite easy to find something which is happening. So my advice would be to anyone that's going to check it out, is just go to one of the events, because it's quite small and well connected. So everyone kind of seems to know each other. And from when I was going to events, I would then be invited to one the next night or something the next day. So my suggestion would be to just get out there and meet some people. And it's very easy. And then just to kind of follow up on that point a little bit more, I think there's a lot of ecosystems in Europe. Um, Probably France would be one of the strongest ecosystems to have this actually as the case. A lot of people feel that they cannot enter the ecosystem without speaking the local language. Actually, a lot of the French ecosystem does speak English, but I think doing business in France, certain level of French definitely will make things go a lot faster. In Berlin, I've heard that's not the case. What was your take? I think within the scene itself, it's fine, like it's quite internationalized. Uh, speaking English is fine. I think in the city itself, I was perhaps a little surprised at how I couldn't just walk around using English wherever I liked or, or whatever. But I felt that the scene was fine and English feel like it's definitely open to internationals. Great. And I think just the final, one of the final points that you made in the article, um, obviously I didn't cover them all there, so I encourage all the listeners to go and read it on tech.eu. But you actually mentioned that the conditions in Berlin are perfect for entrepreneurs and startup folk. What specific conditions did you want to refer to? Yeah, I mean, mainly the first one is it's cheap. 
coming from London, it's really cheap. So obviously, these are great conditions for someone going to start a business, if, especially if you're bootstrapping. And it's very creative. There's kind of a creative buzz in the air. And it, I feel like it's inspiring in that sense that, that you're surrounded by all these creative people as well. Honestly, felt like when I came back from there, if I was going to start another company tomorrow, I'd probably start there just because it's so cheap to do. But of course, there's other considerations like access to capital. And that's something that Berlin startups, despite them raising a lot of money, they still feel like early stage capital is a little hard in Berlin. So that would be the only downside. But in terms of conditions, I would start in Berlin tomorrow. Oh, that's that's terrific. And you um, laughed at me, Roxanne, about me never being to Berlin. So I imagine you have been there before. <laughs> And I wondered whether you agree with these points or were you shocked by any of my points? Or I laughed at you, but I'm no Berlin expert. So I've been to Berlin a few times and I was mainly there actually to visit the factory and a couple other startup spaces a few years ago, or not a few years ago, last year. Um, I definitely agree with your points, actually. I was surprised how accessible the ecosystem was. It was really easy to get in touch with people. Definitely, I've heard numerous times just how inexpensive it is, but I'm wondering if it will stay that way for a long time, just given how much of Europe seems to want to go there to start a business. Um, the interesting thing is I haven't heard too much on the work legislation, you know, how easy is it to start a business compared to the other countries? I mean, France is one that is consistently mentioned for its complexity, London perhaps for almost for its simplicity. I'm wondering where Berlin stacks up. So that's one that I haven't really gotten a grasp on yet. And then in terms of language, I think, you know, everybody has told me you don't need to speak German to work there. And competing with London, that was the first time I heard that, that they were not really interested in looking at where they stack up in Europe. But I'm not surprised to hear that. I think that is something that kind of goes with the Berlin startup attitude. So that's probably a great thing. So moving on, our final topic uh, is going to be the musical chairs going on in the VC community in Europe. We have quite a few big name VCs that have left previous funds to start their own initiatives. So we'll be taking a deep dive into uh, indexes or formerly indexes, Sol Klein, who caught up with Evo on tech.eu earlier this week. But I think a couple other ones that are worth mentioning that we've maybe paid a little bit less attention to are, for example, Frederick Court, who was from Advent. Uh, he went on to found Felix Capital, which is a 120 million euro fund, mainly funding lifestyle businesses. And they've already done a few investments this year. I know that he's pretty big in Farfetch. And then we also have Mosaic, which is a fund. I know the team a little bit less, but they're $140 million, Series A primarily. Uh, looks like they have people formerly from Excel and Index. Do you know the Mosaic guys? Yeah, I've met Mike from Mosaic before, and uh, he's focused uh, on Northern Europe. He actually was the lead investor in King when he was at Apex. So he's kind of quite knowledgeable and connected in terms of the Nordic ecosystem. Um, so I know that they're really bullish about Europe uh, and Northern Europe, actually. Great. And I think uh, that's definitely a fund that we should be paying attention to. Also, very, very young. So both Felix and Mosaic, I think they've been launched within the last year or two years. Two more funds that I think are probably worth mentioning, but neither of them have officially launched yet. I think they're still in the process of raising. Are two out of France. I think um, Daphne is one that has kind of been mentioned here and there. So it's former partner from Alaya Partners in France. Uh, her name is Marie Eklund, and she was very famous for being an investor in Criteo, which is one of the companies in France to have gone public about two years ago, I think now. And so she's founding Daphne, which I think will be a 125 million fund. And then there's another 
person, actually it's interesting, they're both female. She's actually from Orange. She was in charge of Orange's corporate development. Uh, I think she led primarily uh, deals with Dailymotion and Deezer uh, while she was at Orange. And so now she's working on founding her own fund. This is Stephanie Hospital. And she is working on combining all of Europe, Israel as well. And I think she's looking at kind of really building something pan-European, but there hasn't been a launch or I don't think a fund amount really published yet. So these are two projects to be looking out for in, in Brian Staffney and one Ragtime is the second one. Um, but now jumping back to Sol. So obviously Sol Klein has been a really influential figure in the European startup scene behind Index Ventures and Seacamp. Um, he told us that he's obviously leaving Index and will be focusing primarily on Seed in London with this new project called the Accelerator Group. He's also involved in a number of other projects. He's involved in Kano, the computer anyone can make, essentially, and also Thinkton, another project which has a lot of really interesting investors. I was also really interested to see that Seoul, on a kind of more political level, has been involved in a project that I think we hear about less in Europe because we're so focused on the single digital market and we're focused on a lot of these local, you know, tech city, la French tech, things like that. He's involved in the D5, which I had never heard of before until this moment. So this project is essentially a coalition for similar digital governments working on open data, coding, part of education, you know, similar initiatives that we see in other projects. And the countries involved are the UK, Israel, Estonia, South Korea, and New Zealand. And I think New Zealand is the one that just really surprised me. I totally get UK, Israel, Estonia, and South Korea. Do you know how New Zealand stacks up in the big I, startup scene? <laughs> I have no idea and I don't think I could name one startup from New Zealand if I'm completely I, honest. I know I can't. I can't name yeah. a single startup from New Zealand. So this is very interesting I think. Um, what I like about this involvement is actually it takes the UK on a different dimension, yeah. uh, not just leaving it within the European startup scene, but also kind of connecting it more internationally and to very high level digital government. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Saul himself is pretty interested as well. One thing that I always find like amusing in terms of uh, VCs is that they all have the same sales pitch, right? They all say, we understand you. We're entrepreneurs or we've been entrepreneurs. We've been on both sides of the table. But that's kind of seems to be a hell of a lot of firms sales pitch. Um, and at times it's almost like it stopped working in the sense that every firm says that now. But in terms of Saul, it's true. He really has been on both sides of the table. With Kano, he started Seedcamp. He's been a VC index. So he's clearly got a really good track record. Um, and actually, I think one of his reasons for going to the Accelerator Group, at least it seems so, is so he can continue to perhaps start companies as well. See, he really is living this kind of dual life as investor and entrepreneur. Yeah, and actually, he mentioned that in his interview with Evo, is that he really wants to focus on, obviously, the seed investment and also on launching, it sounds like, the businesses. So he mentioned, you know, kind of his involvement with some of these projects, you know, Kano in the early days, or maybe Seedcamp in the early days, and he kind of comes on, launches it, and then starts to kind of fade out as the team grows and develops. So I think it's really interesting, and I'm hoping that we'll see more of him because, as you said, he has a very solid track record, and it looks like almost anything he touches uh, <laughs> kind of turns to gold. So we'll see where he ends up with the Accelerator Group. Cool. I think that's a good place to wrap it up this week. So, yeah, we're on iTunes now. We're on SoundCloud. Please follow and subscribe us there. 
Uh, we're always after feedback on the show. We listen to all of your feedback and hopefully implement it, most of it at least. Um, and you can either comment on the post where this will be, or you can email us, neil at tech.eu, roxanne at tech.eu, Twitter at Neil S. W. Murray, at Roxanne Vaza, and at tech underscore EU. But I think that's all for this week. So thanks, Roxanne, and we'll be thanks, back Jim. next week. Thank you.